All right, Chavra. So we are, if I'm not mistaken, on our fourth week already of of our Basilagani, at least as of this point, um, oral introduction. We might end up learning some of it inside. We're learning a very meaningful Hasidic discourse. Very lengthy, but we are trying to condense it and to focus on certain parts of it. So again, just for those who are here for the first time, we, we, we view our collective mission, we meaning all the Jewish people, what is the mission of the Jew? And the answer is our mission is to make the entire world a home for God. Hashem made the world in a way that we, the human beings, have the power either to make him feel welcome or to make him feel unwelcomed. Hashem is the least imposing existence that, that, that exists. That's the meaning we, we say that Hashem is most humble. That How is God humble? God is humble because he doesn't impose himself. If we tell God, we don't want you, so he, he, so to say, takes a step back. Of course, God is everything and everywhere, but Hashem will not manifest, Hashem will not be revealed. So this is a tremendous power that we have and a tremendous responsibility. If you ask a Jew, how do we make, how do I make my world a home to God? It's correct to answer by keeping the mitzvahs. But when you want to give some more depth to that, it begins and ends with doing what God wants. It begins and ends by not doing what God does not want for me to do. I think I lost the, it's going to come right back. Um, but I'm just wait for this to reconnect. Recording in progress. Um, the, the inner, the mystical way of wording this will be that for me to do what God wants, for me to refrain and not do what God does not want for me to do, there has to be a certain inner movement that we call hiskafia. Hiskafia means denying oneself, limiting oneself. Hiskafia means that, that I have to put the self aside for that which is greater than the self, which is God. That inner act of hiskafia, that is the soul of what reveals God in this world. Now, really, we said it's hiskafia and hisabcha. I just want to focus today on hiskafia. So, again, I have to do what God wants. So there's the outer me doing what God wants, but there's a whole inner dialogue that goes on. We are more aware, we are less aware, we are all to some degree aware of some sort of inner dialogue when I'm being told to do something. Now, I'm losing it again, but at least we'll put up the recording afterwards. Zoom isn't working. Maybe I'll take off the uh, Wi-Fi. Recording Maybe. in progress. Right, the last time. Um, Okay, a few people here on Zoom that Yafa is recording it, and right after the class, it will go up on this on this chat as it's going to go up on the daily, the the daily Toyota learning. That God willing, I just became aware of it will be fixed, corrected by those who know how to do it ASAP. How do you do a scaffold? Rabbi, I think you're muted. I can't hear you. That could be. Yeah, I can't hear either. And the video went also, no. 
Okay, I thank you. Yeah, we got, and now I'm, I'm unmuted. And again, I just said that if it's not coming out clear through the Zoom, it will be posted right after the class. So we're, in the recap that we're making, going back to the, to the need of doing hiskafia, how do we do that? I mean, everyone is aware that at times we all do it, whether it is for Hashem, whether it is out of a religious context, just that's life. Right? You live amongst other people. You don't always get to do what you want to do because there's someone else or something else that will take precedence, not in your order of priority, but in your ultimate ruling. Once you accept that that is more important than what I want, you have to, you have to do his kafya. And we all know that it's easy to say. We all do it. And we all have our areas where at times we fail. At times we fail means I know this is the right thing to do. A good example, a good universal example is a diet. If we're going to say, based on the premise that certain people should not eat everything they want all of the time, if you accept that to be something that's for the greater good, okay, I know that. I'm successful sometimes and sometimes I fail. And why? Why? I I knew I'm not going to eat sugar or whatever, whatever it is or that food is not good for me. I knew it and I did it and I did it and then I didn't. Then once I didn't, I dived into it and I took Nakama. What was lacking? What is lacking? Self-control. Self-control. But why is it that sometimes I have self-control and sometimes I don't? I know what I need is self-control or I need the power of Iskafia. That's just the word in Hebrew. What, What fuels it? Let me, let me word it that way. Let's acknowledge, let me just frame it like this. Let's acknowledge that certain people, right, that let's, if we'll accept that there's something called an addiction, you can debate that. Let's assume that there is such a thing that in certain areas, certain people, they're addicted. Yeah. Does that mean that they lack self-control? Coffee. Or does that, huh? It's like coffee. Or does that mean that with all of their self-control, that is so ingrained in them yeah. that the self doesn't have any more the ability to control. Yeah. So they're going to go to AA and they're going to figure out some other greater system and without which they will not succeed. Now, I know that many statements that I made, I believe them to be true. Many people can debate them. What does the Torah say? That's not the topic right now. All I want to point out is, is that I accept self-control. But I just want to point out mm-hmm. that that more is needed. More is needed meaning I have to be enlightened. There has to be certain tools. It's not correct to tell every person every time that that person feels in his kafia, ah, you really don't have self-control. Not, not only is it hurtful, sometimes the truth hurts. It's not always truthful. There are certain people that have self-control. They have self-control. They couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Or... I have to exert so much self-control. It's too exhausting. Is there a way, is there something else that I can tap into that will, that will facilitate the need of me using all of my energy for just one act of self-control from which I become exhausted and then the next moment I invite the self-control and I tell God, God, I, I can't. Right? I don't think there's one answer to this question. I think it's a good question to ask. I think we all ask the questions using these words or other words. And I'm, I'm leading it back to what we spoke about last week in greater length 
I'm not talking about the detail of God being everywhere. I'm talking about the concept of the king giving the soldiers a treasure. This is the analogy that the Rebbe uses in the Mimer, that when you're fighting a battle, and if the king who really understands that this is a life or death battle, this is a battle that cannot be lost. If the battle is lost, there is no kingdom and there's no king. The king will give everything that he has. He personally, he the kingdom, everything will be given for the soldiers to succeed. The Rebbe uses that as an analogy for our generation whose goal is to bring Mashiach, which means to actually reveal godliness in the whole world, which happens, again, through our hiskafia, with, with, the, with the, sab, the sabcha, I just want, I want to focus on one thing. It's that great self-control. First of all, the mitzvah. Self-control not to eat cake is not going to bring Mashiach. Self-control not, if cake is not healthy for me, it's going to keep me healthier. That's an example. Self-control in the mitzvahs. It's about the, the mitzvahs are magical. Both the positives and the negatives. For which you need to have self-control. Okay, it's just, it's a more universal challenge, self-control, but I want to just make it clear that we're focusing on the keeping of mitzvahs. It's not that, you know, Kabbalah or Hasidus add something that, 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 that goes, it's not an addition. What brings Mashiach are the mitzvahs. Your mitzvahs, building a brick in the base of Mikdash. But we're just going deeper that in order for me to do what I need to do, many times I will need to have more self-control. I will need to have the, a better ability in succeeding in my hiskafia. How do I do that? Now, I'm going to give you an answer. And the answer is not a cop-out. The answer is not the only answer. The gift, the treasure that we are getting means that sometimes, even though I didn't do all of my effort and I didn't tap into all of what I could have done on my own, sometimes something or someone outside of me makes it easy for me and make use of that. We're not saying that we should be always reliant on others. No, we have to do everything we could to do it on our own. And there's so much that only we will do it on our own. But like a soldier, a soldier has a mission. Go conquer that hill. Go conquer that village. And the soldier says, listen, with the tools that I have, many of us will get killed. Even if we'll end up winning, why don't you give me, you know, cover me from the air? Bomb them. Give me something. Give me a better tool. I know it's not mine. It's yours. But that will make my job much easier. And being that the king needs to win the war, God makes it easier. Easier, not easy. Easier for us that there is a treasure that we are gifted. And it's a big treasure. And we're going to continue learning this year is about what is that treasure? What is that infinite light that we're gifted? And we're going to come back to that, but because of our beginning this moment, many, many, many weeks before Yud Shvat, we have time to elaborate. And I just want to keep, try to keep it very focused. So I want to focus on a story that we read about in this week's Parsha, that Mamish enlightens the treasure that we are gifted. What I'm going to share now won't give you the treasure. It will show you how you already have this treasure. But dafka by understanding a certain part of what, in of what we already have, we will tap into it a lot better. It's like sometimes you can have the tool, but if you're not aware of it, someone who makes you aware of it is not giving it to you, but now that you are aware, you can use it. You will use it. Not you could. You could have used it before. You just didn't know you had it. 
not only, but I think that will be the goal of today's class. I'm going to tell you something which won't give you anything new, but you will become aware of something that you have, Taka. And we. Exactly. In other words, on top of self-control, it begins and ends with self-control, but the challenge with self-control is, is that sometimes it's too exhausting. Maybe sometimes in certain areas it's not enough. It's not enough. I keep on losing the connection. They're getting frustrated, but there's nothing I can do. Sorry. No, no, no. Do you want the Wi-Fi password? No, no. I want them to come here. Recording and I want to say this when it's, as long as it works, when I'm off mute. All right, holy women over here, first of all, we apologize. I have no idea why it's happening. But I think that the lesson is that you have to be here in person. Okay, but anyways, the class will be posted right afterwards. So listen to this idea. These are great ideas. Mama's great ideas. And Dafke Hashgacha Pratas, the parish of the week. Yitzchak had some sort of spiritual power that he had the ability to transfer it over to one of his children, not to both. We call that a blessing. It's something. It's not a tangible thing, but it was something of the greatest of value. All tangible things come comes from that blessing. And he knew that he ha- he's going to give it either to one or the other, Esav or Yaakov. Yitzchak chose to get, give it to Esav. Turned out that since Rivka rightfully knew that it should be given to Yaakov, she conspired, deceived her husband with her son, and the blessing through that deception came to Yaakov. Now all of this is very uh, mysterious. All of this should make everyone feel very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. It seems deceitful. I always thought it. Exactly. So these are, I'm not coming here to answer to focus this year. We should read it and we should be bothered and we should rack our brains and try to understand it to the best of our ability. I just want to focus on why did Yitzchak want to give it to Esau? I'm asking the question based on the premise that he was not fooled about his son Esau. Hasidus understands that Yitzchak knew exactly who Esau is. He knew his potential, but he also knew the reality. Esau in reality was a murderer. He was, etc. All of the big sins he violated, not by accident once, but he was a horrible person by choice. With tremendous potential, had Esau been a tzaddik, he would have been a bigger tzaddik than Yaakov. So there's nothing wrong with the parent seeing the potential in their children. That's easier to understand. And the potential of Esau was greater than Yaakov, fine. But Yitzchak was not blind to the reality of his son. Other commentators do not take that approach. I know that. But Hasidus strongly opines he knew exactly who he was. And still he chose to give the blessings to his son, Esau, and not to Yaakov. Why? So no, on the chat, there was a question about certain other great people, men or women, men and women, who made certain choices, beginning with Chava's choice and Adam's choice to eat from the forbidden fruit. Other choices that we read later in the Chumash, biggest choice was Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock. Mm-hmm. All of these things are viewed through the lens of Hasidus, not as our type of mistakes. See, we make a mistake, 
I'll give you two reasons why we make a mistake. And everything is going to be in one of the two or in both. We make mistakes because we lack data or information. You didn't know what really is. You were misinformed. The other general reason, and every mistake will be one or the other. It works. I knew the right information, but I was lazy. I lacked self-control. I knew that this, I should do A, but A is too difficult. I wasn't in the mood. There's some sort of weakness within me in which I failed. It's always going to be one of the two. Chassidus takes it as a given that the great tzaddikim, and that goes to Adam and Chava and to Avram and Sarah, and it's going to go now to Yitzchak, that they did not lack information, nor did they lack any self-control. There was no laziness. There wasn't intellectual laziness. There wasn't emotional laziness. There wasn't actual laziness. So whenever they did something, they did it by choice. And they knew, like Adam and Chava knew that God said, don't eat it. They knew that and they chose to eat it. That's a whole different type of, um, that's it, it ended. It couldn't do it anymore. That's fine. Just making them crazy. They, they, they knew. They knew that they're doing they knew what they're doing and they chose to do it anyways. Which you can argue that makes the sin even much worse. In other words, we have an excuse. We tell God, I, I, I know you told me not to do this. I'm a Yetzir Hara. You gave me, take away my Yetzir Hara. You bothered me. I, I, I couldn't do it. I didn't lack. It was too difficult. I'm not saying that it's an Emesa excuse, but it's an excuse. Other than these people, they, 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 they did not make excuses. I want to tell you something more. According to some of the classic commentators, the sin of Adam wasn't the choice that he made. The sin of Adam is, is that he didn't take responsibility. He blamed it on Chava. That was the sin. Mm-hmm. No, it's, even though God told him not to do it, and he had a reason why he did it. If he would have told God, I did it for X, Y, and Z, God would have reprimanded him. God would have told him what you think. I didn't know that. But he wouldn't have been penalized or punished the way he was. The real sin was that he says, ah, she gave it to me. What do you mean she gave it to me? I'm going to come back to that. That being the primordial sin. But let me come to Yitzchak. Yitzchak wanted to give something to Esau. And Rivka adamantly thought he's old and senile. I don't know if she thought that. But what are you doing? You're giving a bracha to Esau is a, is a, is a rasha. Mama, she was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was an idolater, etc. He was a very, he did keep it aim, keep it off. The mother also, fine, and we're not taking away some mitzvahs that he did extraordinarily well, but he was a very bad person, meaning his behavior was horrible. So who are we comparing to Adam right now, Rivka or Yitzchak? I'm comparing Yitzchak to Adam. What did he do wrong? Yitzchak wanted to bless Esau. So why is there another? Because what, let me, let me, before, that, before the Aveda, unlike Adam, where God opined, God never told Yitzchak. Right. But why would you empower someone who's very wicked? Isn't that... He saw something. In other words, he, he's, he, he was, he, his love distorted his vision? Mm-hmm. No. I, okay. I, he saw that what? What did he think? There is great potential. Oh, that, that we know. And Rivka also saw that. But that's, that's almost, I would say, I think that would have been awesome, personally. If you, if you would have someone, one second, if you would have someone... I'm not going to use Hitler as an example, okay. okay? But someone who in behavior is Hitler-like. Okay. Mass murderer. You could change them. 
you would change them, but would you risk giving them more power? But was, was the blessing something that was just power, or was the blessing power. that would enlighten them? Pure power, like, pure power. It wasn't just an enlightenment? No, even enlightenment. The biggest power is enlightenment. Mm. Let, me, let me say it like but this. He turned out to state the way he was, with or without a bracha. Well, we don't know what would have happened had he got a bracha. Granted, which is what the Rosh Hashanah is saying. But the fact that God made sure, how do I know that? Because de facto, he did not give it to Yaakov. The Hashgacha process was so because if he would have given the bracha to Esav, things would have been horrible. And, and, what, was, and what was Yitzchak's covenant? So what, by the way, you're, you're on the right path. Chassidus is going down that way. But let me give you the words. And this is Mamash. It's a secret and it's a treasure. In the mystical world, you have Kedusha, Holy... And you have klipa. Klipa means a shell. Klipa means unholiness. Mm-hmm. Two words. Even though be'emes, this is very important, in this world, it's not either or. I want you to know that. In this world, there is kedusha, there is klipa, mm-hmm. and there is something in between that's called divrei reshus. Reish, shin, vavsav. That which is not obligatory, but permissible. Most of our lives are in that category. It's not holy. It's not sinful. Mamish. That's something that only began in the physical world. When you go to the more mystical, spiritual worlds, there is no reshus. It's very extreme. It's either you're with me or you're against me. There's kedusha and there's klip. Holy, not holy. The opposite of holy. How do you define klipa? That will be the question. That will be the secret. I know there are many answers, but I'm going to give you one angle. Like, how do you define Klippo? Or how do you define Kedusha? What makes something holy? Now, the answer is not, if it's godly, it's holy. Of course, if it's godly, it's holy. But there are things in the world that are not godly. They're part of the world, and yet they can be holy. Things that are not godly can become godly. Yeah. Things that are not godly can, God forbid, be used to go against godly. Right. So there are different ways of defining Kedusha and Klippa, and they are all correct. And again, these, like I said last week, that Hasidus gives us concepts and ideas that after you hear them, they're simple, because true truth is always simple. As a rule, if things are very complicated, it's not Emes. <laughs> and it's so difficult, simple. Like they say, common sense is so uncommon. Just when you hear it, of course. But go hop at these ideas to, uh, just to acknowledge and to be grateful that we have been gifted these ideas. So here, this is the concept. Kedusha is the, is, the, is the acknowledgement that what I have was gifted to me by God. Or at least what I have was gifted to me. Not me. Kalipa is being a ingrate. Denying that what you have was given to you. Creating a narrative, which is a sheker, that you got it yourself. People that have children will appreciate this from a different, with a better depth of how you can have a child. You gave birth to the child. A parent knows how much they gave for the child. Of course, 
we want for our children to be independent, but there, if there is no acknowledgement of them getting to where they are because of everything that was given to them, that is the way we define klipa. It, close, it, 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 it separates them from their parents. It's, it's a lie that, that, that has that very clear effect. You're closed off. And the opposite of that is gratefulness. Acknowledgement, which will lead you to gratefulness. Mm-hmm. Which is acknowledging and therefore expressing a thank you that that which I have like in my life, my, my, my life. God gave me my life. Wake up in the morning and say, Moida'ani. Now I open myself up to God. Because I'm acknowledging a truth that what I have is not really mine. It was given to me. Now that would lead me to be grateful. That would lead me to think, well, why was it given to me? The answer, oh, because I'm worthy is not enough. It was given to me for a reason. I am worthy to do something with it. I am capable to do something with it, but it was given to me for me to do something with it. And, and many, many, many other consequences which will come from this one beginning of, I acknowledge that what I have was gifted to me. That keeps me humble. That keeps me appreciated. That keeps me grateful. And that helps me refocus on the why and on my mission. Wherever there's klipa, there's going to be the sense of denying that something was given. Like even an idea. People that plagiarize and they don't acknowledge the emiss that you have this idea but it wasn't mine. I got it from someone else. That's klipa. Many people, when they claim that it's, everything is theirs, in, they really believe in that. And there's a, a certain very unhealthy mental conversation that they have, which is very similar, in which they take a convince themselves that uh, it's theirs. It's mine. I'm a self-made man. Mm-hmm. No one can tell me what to do, including God, because I am a self-made man. It disconnects you from your source of blessing. Now, the amazing thing with God is, is that even when people are ingrate, He still gives them. That they would not live. Then there would be no freedom of choice. We would all be forced to be holy. And that's the whole point, that we should choose to be holy, not forced to be holy. So a person can get everything from God, which we all are getting our everything from God. And every person, to a certain degree, can acknowledge it, and to a certain degree, deny it. And in the area of denial, we create a klipa, a shell, a barrier that doesn't allow us to get even more, that doesn't allow us to be open to God. We're good. How do you break that klipa? Like, I'm going to ask a very, I want to go back to my analogy of a child, and the child, you do, I did everything here, a parent, everything I did was for you. And the child tells the parent, you selfish parent, you did nothing for me. I was always all on my own. All me. If you're giving me something and I'm denying that you're giving it to me when you're giving it to me, what do you do? So you will stop giving. Yitzchak decided the solution is to give so much more. <laughs> to give so much more that Esav won't have an option other than to acknowledge this must be God. Everyone is Gvura, so... <laughs> 
Don't think. Okay, okay, we'll leave that for another time. Yitzchak was, was as giving as it gets. And that's still called Gevurah, but we'll leave that for another time. But Yitzchak was giving a brach. He was doing an act of giving. He could have given it to Yaakov, he could have given it to Esav. Yitzchak felt that the way you elevate Klippa, he knew his son is Klippa, he knew exactly who his son is, and the root, he understood the root of all of the evil behavior, evil behavior that he chose was because he denied that he's receiving from God. So if I push God out, you know, there's many levels of denial. One level is I just don't think about God enough. Now people sin because they, 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 they think about God two times a year. God is not in their world. So what, that God has an opinion? That's irrelevant to me because what do I have with God? If every day you wake up and you say, if every day you say, all these little things that we take for granted, it just brings God a little bit more in our awareness. And the moment we feel that, what do you mean, how can I go against God with the, with the life that He's giving me right now? It's not nice. The awareness that I am receiving from God opens us up to Kedusha. Gratefulness to God can come about two ways. Either you do a lot of work to think and to meditate and to analyze how do I have it, why do I have it. Other times you have so many brachas in your life, so many blessings in your life that you can't ignore God. Because without a God making all of these things happen, this doesn't say that everything is perfect, no. But relative to the way things could have been, there's got to be a God who cares about me. That was Yitzchak's plan. My understanding of what the Rebbe wants to speak about, the treasure that God gives to the last generation of Golos, which is us, in order to be able to practice more self-restraint or hiskafia, is that there's a tremendous bracha that came to our generation that if you, if you read a little bit about our history, is unprecedented. Unprecedented. Mamash. That, that, that the, 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 the comfort that we live in, and I'm not taking away anyone's Parnassa challenges and, and Vichule, but read a little bit and compare our challenge with the challenge of 100 years ago, or even from before the Holocaust, or think about what happened during the war or right after the war. I mean, we should never know what it means. My Zayda didn't have enough bread to give his kids. You have to break a piece of bread and decide who's going to get a bigger piece. And the parent, Bechal, didn't eat. We don't know what that means. The, the, the abundance of bracha. And, and, and of, God always leaves it open. Well, it's for everyone. So what? It's for me. The, the comfort of living. Like all of these advances of science and technology. I mean, if we deny God, I mean, we always can keep God out. The fact that we have medicine that we never had access to. Never. The fact that you want something on your app not like my Zoom, but on the app that you can press, Amazon Prime or this, and, and on like the mana. Better than the mana. <laughs> better, better than the, because back by the mana, you got something that looked like your neighbor. Now you get exactly what you want. And no, everyone is a tzaddik, because by the mana, if you were not a tzaddik, they would no, bring it outside. <laughs> you have to pick it up over there in the, in the post office. Here it comes to your door. 
I'm saying all these things, it, it upped our quality of life. It freed up a lot of time. Are we using the time that was freed up properly? I don't know. But as, in other words, there's, there's a concept of that Yitzchak wanted to overwhelm Esau with so much bracha would have meant he would have become smarter. He would have had access, the access that we have to information. Just that. You can know everything. You can mamish know everything. You can learn. Everything is becoming easier. Exponentially easier. King Solomon did not live the way we lived. Do we have the freedom to choose of saying, ah, it's for everyone and it's automatic and it's just a natural evolution? I mean, yeah, you can always deny God, but, it, but, but it's, it's, some, it's getting harder to deny God. Things are too good. Things are too good. And I'm not minimizing people's suffering. We're still in Golos. There are still things that are not good. But relative to not that long ago, people used to have polio. You know what polio means? Oh, Can you imagine? Yeah. I see patients with the history of polio. Okay. I've seen it before. I didn't know it. We exists. have a person in our shul yeah. that, that had polio as a kid. That the whole life is crippled. Yeah. Good case. Light case. It was a common thing. There wasn't a family in the times of the Gemara that didn't have a baby that died. Either by childbirth. Like, like there was so much more suffering. And things are getting so much better. I, I, I see that, and beginning with Toyota, that we have access to all the Toyota you want. You have the access to all the Toyota you want. You have access, Lahavdol, not Toyota, in Rishus. Music. We can listen to the most beautiful music in the world. Right here, right now. Never existed. We are listening to things that only the, the, the 1% of the 1% ever heard. And it's so common that it doesn't even do it for us as much as it should because we're not grateful enough. And it's the middle of being open to understanding that don't take things as they are. Just like, just like when something not good happens, rightfully, we, we are in pain because we ask God, how did you do that? Because God is the doer. Good. We have to be consistent. As we cry out from the pain, we have to equally acknowledge and be grateful for the good. And Bar Hashem, for the vast majority of the people, I'm not minimizing anyone's status, there was so much more good than challenge. So much more good than challenge. Even if a person is not healthy, well, his spouse is healthy, his kids are healthy, or God forbid, if someone's family, there's, there's health, and there's wealth, and there's more, and there's more, and more will be coming. And we not believe that the more grateful we are, that means the more open we are to where to the source, then more comes. That's the irony of great, or the opposite. The more we, we deny that it's from God, we take it as for granted. That creates klipa. Like there's a certain minimum that's a given. Who said who? Not on suffering, not on pain. If it's hefkirvelt, if the, God forbid, if it would be just the way things are, then there's no, anything can be. But no, everything is precise. And the amount of good, what, Ace, what Yitzhak wanted to give to Esau, which would not have worked for Esau, God is giving to us. That's the way I see the treasure. And that, if a person will think every day when they say Moida'ani with a little bit more kavana, a little bit more kavana, and just to be open to realize how many miracles and how many times their person drive and they're going uh, 50 miles an hour and they had a near accident. It would have been an accident. That person could have been for the rest of their life crippled. And how many times it's like there's miracles are rolling in the streets and garnished. We're going, we're going to travel to, to Eretz Yisrael. My Zayda, to go to Eretz Yisrael, they dreamt for, uh, for 2,000 years and then they needed to walk four years to get there. And they aged 20 years in that process. Today you see it even in cattle class, even in the back. 
but you sit and there's air conditioning and you have a bathroom and you have kosher food. This is a gift. Remember when the Rebbe was speaking about the prophecy that God will take us on the wings of eagles. I heard the Rebbe saying that we go on an airplane, this is like the wings of the eagles. Don't take it for granted, even though it's natural and it's for the whole world. It's a gift from God, all of this wisdom that became revealed. It's so easy to be grateful to God today. Now I know that the, you go back a thousand years, there were holier people. They also were very grateful. I, I just think it was much harder for them. There was much less for them to focus on. Today, in every area in life, amazing. And the more, that's the Nakoda, the more grateful we are, the gift, that's the way I see, we see God more. The more I see God in my life, you see, if I want to do something that is against God's will, if God is not in my room, then I need my willpower. If God is right here, I don't even want to do it. I'll give you an example of human beings. The Gemara gives that example. There are certain things that we would never do if someone else is watching us. Whatever that is. We only do it when we are alone. Now I know that God watching me always is very intrusive, but it's perfect. It's not too intrusive because God is still invisible. But when a person is about to do something against the will of God, whether it is by not doing what God wants, whether it is by doing something which God told me don't do, if God were to be present, if God were to appear, it would be a lot easier for me to have the, the discipline of not doing it. In front of God, in front of God, I'm not going to do it. It's so much easier to be aware of God's presence from the blessings that we have in our lives. And if a person only thinks a little bit more, like someone told me, say the morning brachas with a little bit more kavana. It mamish will change your day. Big time, big time. Not that little, big. Because even though I'm not thinking the whole day, wow, God is here. But when I, when I, when I say the brachas slower and I say, I'm not blind. I could have been blind. Right? The glasses. What happened before glasses? You have to see in the prayers how many times we pray to have good vision. Because then, if we would have lived a few hundred years ago, or a thousand years ago, once the vision goes off, Cataracts, we know today, everyone over a certain age gets cataracts. Almost everyone. You guys don't have, once you have cataracts, you don't see good. Everything is, a, there's like a brown film on everything. Most people never lived that long then. Most people died when they were 60. Today you have this, they, they fix you. And if they put a lens in your eye, common. They're like, wow. You know, people break bones. I broke a bone. They, a guy told me, my surgeon, that 30 years ago, I would have limped for the rest of my life. No, not anymore. They put it exact, exact to the millimeter. You do therapy and you walk normal the way you were. I see that, that, that these brachas, the big brachas with challenges, but there's so much brachas, it just makes it easier. It's like a power, it's a tool. It makes us easy, it's easier for us to be more God aware. And God's presence empowers me to exercise self-control. It's not really from me. It was my choice to be more grateful to God instead of more grateful to that person who actually gave it to me or more grateful to the scientist. I, know, I acknowledge this still is our choice of linking it to God, which is Kedusha. But it's, once we link everything to Hashem, we become more God-aware. God, God is everywhere. One of the 12th sukkim that ever wanted us to say, kids, 
that Hine Hashem, Nitzav Olaf, that God is standing on top of you and He's watching you, not, not in an intrusive way. You know, He got us here. And that's the muscle that we have in the Gemara, that when other people are in the room, people just won't do certain things because someone else is there. The more God is here, the easier it is for me. So many times that I lack self-control, yes, what do I need to do? Sometimes the answer is, be more aware that God is here. How can I be aware that God is here in the Holocaust? Very difficult. That's an extreme. How can I be aware that God is present in, a, in the world a thousand years ago? Very difficult. But as time goes on, especially when we don't only focus on bad news, and all news is bad, the news and the news media, when you begin to focus on all the good things that happen, and even in your life, wake up and you know, your kid began to walk. Like, wow. Like, like just because they're 10 and they, it's still wow. And they talk and they make decisions and they, you know, they become bas mitzvah and then they... It's, it's wow, it's one big wow that we became desensitized to and all of that is because we don't want to be that grateful because a gratefulness makes me indebted. And, 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 and in America, in Western culture, I want to be independent, I don't want to be indebted. No, it's good to be in, in, indebted where it's emis. It's good. If someone gave me something, I should be indebted. And we should walk around with the feeling of being indebted to God that will open God more into our lives. It's going to bring us more brachas and it's going to empower us to do his kafia. And his kafia will bring Mashiach. So it's like a catch-22. So before the coming of Mashiach, there's going to be a treasure, which will be, what I'm saying now will fit into what we'll continue to learn, that there's a certain level of godliness that we are aware of as a gift. Not because we meditated 100 hours thinking about God. Life is presenting itself in a way where it's a lot easier to acknowledge the, 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 the presence of some infinite power. There's something that's so beyond us that's here. The more it's here, the more I can do a skafia. Yes, Shoshana. Um, what about doing positive things? Where This is for like skafia, like not doing something negative or you know, having your What about I'm stopping? Oh, very good. I, I, I think it works the same way. In other words, if I feel, let's say that something happened to me two hours ago, a moment, mm-hmm. whether it is, like I said, I was driving, I, either something almost mm-hmm. not good happened uh, by here, or something, taka, whatever, something happened to me, and I feel gratitude. So first of all, it's important for me to feel gratitude to God first. I'm not saying that if you were the one that did me the favor, another person, I should also have gratitude. But first and foremost, we have gratitude to Hashem. As a fundraiser, when people, when a person gives me a check, I tell them, thank you, God. And thank you. I always say that. There was a story, I'm, I'm going to come back to what you're saying. There was a big tzaddik in the Gemara that every time his wife brought him breakfast, see, he never also thanked his wife. He would say, oh, thank you, God. Yeah. And she got angry. <laughs> well, hello. So she told her child, we're going to... To my parents, she said, I'm, we're going to Bubby and Zadie. Let's see tomorrow if he's going to thank God. It's like so cute. I almost punked the next morning, early in the morning, near, near they live by a port city. There was a ship that was about to drown. And people on the ship, they, they made a vow. They told God, if you're going to save us, we're going to support that, this, this guy, this rabbi. And they were saved. And punked that day that she left, they, they landed and they came the next morning they came with a meal fit for King Solomon. 
And the same thing, he said, thank you, God. He never didn't thank his wife. He didn't thank them. So anyway, that's, uh, you can thank your spouse as well. But uh, when, when we begin, we begin with thanking God. If a person feels gratitude to God, then halavai, if you can hold on to that and, and express it when you're saying Shmona Esrei. Now, it's hard to synchronize it. It's hard to, for me, it's hard to hold on to it. So let me say, let me say differently. Let me go to another. Let's say, let's say I didn't dive in Shachros yet. I'll give you an example. And let's say I'm not yet, be honest. Shmona Esrei takes me three minutes. I'm not going to do it. But you know what? You know what? If something great happened to you, stop. Just do it on the spot. Open up to say, say Moida'ani. Say it again. Okay. And that, those words will be very powerful. Because you know what I do now? I say, thank you, God. Nothing wrong with saying that in English. But if you have the tefillah, you have in the morning and you're eye or whoever, whichever area that you feel like, my body is not so good in this area. And it worked, and it's working, it's still standing, it's still moving. Say that bracha with kavana. I think you could. I think it's, yeah, it takes more to channel it into the whole formal davening. But if we can do some of the davening with that feeling, very powerful. You can daven in 10 seconds. Like, I'm not saying to daven in 10 seconds for people that are listening. I'm just saying that we, I think it's easy for us to expect of ourselves to have once a week a 10-second fila that was emis from the depth of my soul. Because it, that many good things are happening to us the whole time. And we should be more grateful and not... And, and Aesov, I mean, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's a psychological death. We, take, we begin taking... I don't want to be so grateful the whole time. I want to be a cool, calm, collective guy. So we begin to forget about the good. And then we can't wait for that. Something bad happened. Oh, I don't understand. How can God make this happen? Taka, I don't understand. But God, who made someone be challenged in one area, gifted that person in 99% of the other areas. Not to erase the challenge, daven, with pain, but with the same highest acknowledge the good. We're lacking in that. All of us. All of us. And that was, I love that, the Alter Rebbe, that Yitzchak felt, I'm going to give a bracha to Esau, and God is going to give him, by the way, Esau was already wealthy, but he's going to become so much wealthier, and so much healthier, and so much this, it's going to be like not natural. If Esau, if Esau would have directed his energies in towards what God wanted, he had more energy than, than Yaakov. Or the words in Kabbalah. Esau now represents the, the Edoim. Edoim means the Western world. And the, the, the Avoida, the, 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 the mission of elevating Esau is not on Yitzchak, which would have meant that path, but it's on Yaakov, no, 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 no. We have to elevate Esau. And we elevate Esau not by giving Esau a lot of abundance. That's not our way of elevating Esau. But we elevate Esau by refining Esau, by educating Esau, right? By not the outside inside, but by us telling Esau, you got to practice self-control. So is he Klippa's Noga? Esau represented a much worse Klippa. We're, we're, no, no, no. Let me. We're, we're trying to break the external Asov, to have the external Asov demise go away in order for the sparks to come out. And Yitzchak felt that he can elevate Asov without breaking him by overwhelming him with good. 
And I understand that there's a certain overwhelming gift that God is giving to Yaakov now before Mashiach, which is the treasure, which makes it easier or a lot easier for us to keep the mitzvahs. And we're keeping the mitzvahs. I mean, we can always be better. We're keeping the mitzvahs very, very nicely. We don't, have, we, don't, we don't even have the test that our grandparents... My grandfather, if he kept Shabbos, he got fired. My mother's father. It was common. He came to America in the 40s. He kept Shabbos, you're fired. If you're fired, you don't have money to buy milk for your kids after surviving Stalin. See, these are big, these are big nishyari. It was hard. It was hard. Today, it's, today uh, so much easier. With, I don't, no, I'm not, I, I don't want to say this in a, in a non-feeling way, but I understand that it's easy. If we are... If we're going to link all the blessings to God, and if we're going to spend a little bit more kavana being grateful, mm-hmm. then we're going to become more God-aware. And that will automatically, substantially make it easier for us to exercise self-control in the realm of the mitzvahs. It doesn't mean I'll stick to my diet, but it means I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep the mitzvah. If God t- tells me, don't do that, and, I, and, and a few hours ago or during this week, for one moment, I really thank God it's going to be easier. Mm-hmm. Come on. God, I, I acknowledged it myself. And you'll notice that many people have a challenge in acknowledging. And that's Klippa. We, we are that way. Younger people are that way because it takes away from their ego. Automatically. It's me. It's all me. They don't acknowledge. They take your ideas. They say it was theirs. And they mean it. And they take a minute. And they, v'chulei, v'chulei. That's Klippa. Kedusha is Moida Ani, Yisrael, Ayid, Yehuda. So we have the gifts, we just have to connect it better to God, and we have to verbalize it ideally through prayer, and that will be a tool that we have that will help us do a skafia, and God is gifting us every day. Because we have the brachas, we just have to link it more to God. That's one way of